Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. You know, as I'm reading and studying this week's lesson, I'm starting to feel like I am back in the Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter presidential debates. Now, let me be clear. I am not old enough to remember those debates, but I have heard the stories about Ronald Reagan's famous phrase, there you go again. And I feel like every time I, I read about the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees, that I just want to be like, there you go again. You know, like it it seems that in, in the Savior's time, one of the most strongly adhered to customs for the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees was that of trying to trick or trap the Savior. It's like every time we turn around, they're trying to catch him again. They're trying to lay some sort of trap. And I say that partially tongue-in-cheek, but honestly, there they go again. It seems like they pursued this idea of catching him or ensnaring him in some um, incongruency. That they, they seem to, to follow it with almost a religious fervor. And as we read in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, they do it again. There they go again, asking the Savior about marriage and divorce. Now, before we get into this, I think it's important to point out that the Savior's comments in these two chapters regarding marriage and divorce are extremely, extremely brief. And they're best understood in connection with other teachings in the scriptures and through modern prophets on the subject. You know, scriptures such as, I would recommend reading Doctrine and Covenants 131 and 132, as well as The Family, A Proclamation to the World, in connection with the verses that we'll read today and that we'll study today, because this really is only part of the doctrine. And you can tell that there's things that the Savior's referencing and hinting at and were just common knowledge at the time that aren't spelled out in these verses. So let's read a few verses here. Let's start in verse 3 of chapter 19 in Matthew. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, 
let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? So they're basically saying, well, okay, hold on, hold on. You're saying, you're saying they're, you know, they know if, if they're joined, then they should not be separated. But Moses said, you know, they, they like doing that. They did that, you know, they do that with Abraham. They try to tie on to, to Abraham's coattails at times as a way to try to, to have an intellectual or religious superiority. And now they're doing it with Moses. And the Savior responds and says, he say, or it says, he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So I love that, you know, he basically, again, you know, he talked, he did this earlier in an, an earlier episode. We talked about this, how they talk about Abraham. And then he, he, he turns back and says, your father, Abraham, basically saying, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to claim this, then we're, we're going to, we're going to ride this horse all the way to the end. He does the same thing here. Obviously, Moses wasn't talking to them. Moses was thousands of years before. But he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. So he's basically saying, look, it's because of people like you. It's because of those who argue and want to look for ways to have a divorce. That is why he allowed this to happen. And it says, uh, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall... Marry another committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. So there's a few things that that I really that really stuck out to me here. But but before we get to that, I think it's important to point out, and I, I read this in uh, Bruce R. McConkie's Doctrinal New Testament Commentary, and he's quoting James E. Talmadge, who is quoting a, a man, I assume a man, a person by the name of, I think it's Geike. Uh So this is like a fourth, a fourth, <laughs> fourth hand quote, but but it's been recorded, so I know I know it's not hearsay, um, and it talks about how. In Christ's time, this was a major debate of, of how, why you could why you could get divorced because, you know, obviously some kind of felt the same way that, hey, you know, there are certain, you know, you can divorce for whatever reason. And some said, no, you can't. And, and so here's what it says. This is um, Bruce R. McConkie quoting James E. Talmadge quoting Geike. Me quoting Bruce R. McConkie quoting James E. Talmadge quoting Geike. It says, among the questions of the day fiercely debated between the great rival schools of Hillel and Shammai, no one was more so I gotta flip the page than that of divorce. The school of Hillel contended that a man had a right to divorce his wife for any cause that he might assign, if it were no more than his having ceased to love her, or his having seen one he liked better, or her having cooked a dinner badly. The school of Shammai, on the contrary, held that divorce could be issued only for the crime of adultery and offenses against chastity. If it were possible to get Jesus to pronounce in favor of either school, the hostility of the other would be roused, and hence it seemed a favorable chance for compromising him. So, you have these two schools, and it was probable that the Pharisees belonged to one or both of them, the ones that were talking to him. Or, or you know, subscribe to their views, and so they're they're looking for him to 
basically endorse one or the other. You know, it really is. It's almost like one of them wanted to be able to say, well, you know, this guy that we don't really even like anyway, but he still agrees with us on this topic. Or the other one would get upset because he didn't agree with him. And they could, you know, basically claim that he was blasphemous and didn't follow the the teachings of the great prophets and blah, blah, blah. And either way, it would cause mayhem, it would cause divisions, and it would cause people to turn against the Savior, which obviously is what they were shooting for virtually every waking minute of their lives, it seems like. Um, You know, they were just completely consumed with this this, um, attempt, these attempts to catch him or trick him or trap him um, in sayings. But it's interesting. And I think the the most important, not the most important, one of the important things to learn from this is how the Savior responded to these. And essentially, he just went back to basic principles. He didn't try to debate the fine points of things. He basically just said, like it says, have you not read that with that which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause shall a man leave leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. So basically, he goes back to the principle of the matter, the, the basic principle. And, and, you know, they want to know about divorce. And he's basically saying, look, you guys are missing the boat. The law is about marriage. The principle is about marriage, about eternal marriage, about celestial marriage, you know, I, because that's, I mean, that's what he was teaching. But we don't have all of that here. We don't have all of the intricate details because they understood that. Um, but essentially, he basically brings it back and says, look, why are we even talking about divorce? We should be talking about marriage. We should be talking about the basic foundation of of the gospel, which is the family unit. You know, And so I think there's value in that. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in things that don't matter or we shouldn't be focusing on. You know, spending so much time worrying about things that you don't want rather than focusing on the things that you do want, the things that are important. You know, it'd be the same as saying, uh, you know, people coming up to the Savior and saying, okay, so, and I'm sure they did this if we read in the scriptures. I'm sure there's someplace. And if it's not recorded, I'm sure they did anyway. But basically going to the Savior and saying, so, you know, who really goes to hell? I mean, does a lot of people do a little people and the savior essentially turning around and saying, well, let's talk about who goes to the celestial kingdom and let's talk about how to get there because that's really what's important, not who goes to hell. And it's the same thing here. You know, the savior is saying, look, it's not important why you should divorce somebody. You should be worried about why you should stay with somebody because the scriptures say that when they're married, they become one flesh and what God joined together, let no man put asunder. So I think it's important to realize and to think about that and to to take note of the way the Savior framed that and how, and, and this isn't, this really isn't even something that I, in my notes here, I didn't even think about talking about this, but I think this is an important point. Let's frame and focus the gospel and our conversations about the gospel on the things that we want rather than the things we don't want and not waste time and effort worrying about things that I won't say don't matter, but yeah, kind of don't matter. Let's focus on the things that do matter. Let's focus on the things we can control. Let's focus on the things that will help us to get closer to the Savior, help us to get closer to the Heavenly Father, help us to return and live with Him again, rather than the things that uh, don't matter. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Uh, but I think that's 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 such a great point. 
But my questions for you today, I've got two questions. Um, the first is, what do we learn about the Lord's view on marriage from these verses? And like I said, I would strongly recommend also studying section 131 and 132 in the Doctrine and Covenants, studying the family, a proclamation to the world, and also studying in the Bible Dictionary um, the topic marriage and reading what that says there and reading the references that it talks about, because that'll help to um, round out the Lord's teachings on marriage. And, and this is one of those times where uh, the Bible, because there's so many things that were taken out and changed, and you know we have so little of everything that the Savior actually taught, that utilizing modern-day revelation, utilizing the teachings of the prophets is very, very helpful. So what do we learn about the Lord's view on marriage from these verses and from everything else you read about marriage as you study this? And the second question, what does it mean to you when the scriptures say that those that marry, quote, shall be one flesh? What does that mean to be one flesh? How is that manifest in a marriage to be one flesh? So again, those two questions, what do we learn about the Lord's view on marriage from these verses? And number two, when the, or what does it mean to you when the scriptures say that those that marry, quote, shall be one flesh? All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.